We're going to uh, continue on in a teaching that we're doing uh, on the Holy Spirit. And I've, I've, I've felt directed to just call this Spirit. And because we're going to be talking a number of aspects of the Spirit. Um, and we know that to be the Holy Spirit. He's also the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of grace. Uh, and, and on and on we could go. But three things in particular that we're looking at for your life. Everybody say, for my life. And for our life corporately as a church. And so it's to get some real clear teaching on this. I don't mind telling you this has been very labor intensive because I'm wanting to just make this just precision, precision, and make sure that we're very uh, straight on with, with Scripture. But we're calling it spirit, and then kind of the, the bottom line of it is God, that he is God, that he is helper, and that he can be your dearest friend. And I don't think sometimes we've thought about it in that way, but, you know, we think of him as God. But you need to also know that he'll help you. And you need to also know that he can be absolutely the closest friend. He wants to be that as well. And um, this is going to be a powerful time this morning, so I'm glad you're here for it. Uh, I'm not going to, um, and, I, and I just can't do this all the time, go back and review everything. But I will touch a few things here. And probably the biggest thing I want to say right up front is the Holy Spirit is not weird. And he won't make you weird. And as I shared with you last week, I've seen some people in the name of the Holy Spirit be really weird. And let me just remind you about that. Before they even heard about the Holy Spirit, they were weird. I mean, some people are just weird. And there's some of you that are in recovery that are here. Yeah, we're recovering from our weirdness. Um, but I, seriously, some people, I mean, they can be collecting stamps or learning karate and they're going to be weird about it and the unfortunate thing is when we have something so incredible and so weighty as you know relationship with the holy spirit um i just i just hate that that sometimes gets misrepresented and that causes other people then to shy away because i don't want anything to do with the holy spirit because he's going to make me weird or whatever and i promise you he's not weird and he's not going to make you weird a matter of fact jesus introduced him without apology um, sometimes maybe a family setting or your friends or whatever and somebody's about to him oh here comes so and so I, I, I'm going to introduce you but I need to let you know a few things first <laughs> you know this is your weird uncle you know or, or, or whatever it would be um, and Jesus without apology introduced the Holy Spirit and he introduced him as the helper and as the comforter and a matter, as a matter of fact he said that he's another Helper and that Greek word for another, alos, it actually has the idea of he's exactly like me, the exact same as me. The only difference is sequence. Right. He said, I'll leave and he comes. And he said, You're going to be better off that I leave and you come. And I can't even imagine that. Jesus, what are you talking about? How am I going to be better off if you leave? And he said, Because this Holy Spirit, he's just like me. And he's going to do in my absence what I would do for you if I were physically present there with you. And I pray that you'll get, you'll get some insight on that today. If you and I had never been to church, if you and I had never watched Christian television, and all we had ever done was just read the Bible, then we would have a great expectation and an eager desire for the Holy Spirit to be in our lives. And so what I want to do is get us into the light of Scripture, get us into the truth of Scripture, because that will set us free concerning this. Because 
the enemy of your soul, the enemy of God, the enemy of God's kingdom, the devil, he's afraid. He's afraid of even the notion that a person could be filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He's afraid that a person that could be led by an all-knowing God. He's afraid that a person could, could, God could work through a person gifts and God could work in a person and put fruit and virtue in their life. And that the master craftsman, as the book of Proverbs calls him at, at creation, that the master craftsman could indwell people. That scares the enemy. So the enemy is a slanderer and he's a liar and he's very, very crafty. And so what he does, he has a strategy. And just in brief, here's his strategy to get you and I messed up about the Holy Spirit. Because if he can get us messed up about the Holy Spirit and get some things in the way and get us confused. And consequently, then he'll invade people's doctrine and theology. He'll get some people uninformed. He'll get other people misinformed. He'll have people act out in certain ways, misrepresent, and consequently then some will avoid and some will get caught up in the wrong direction on things. And, and we just need to find the truth and Scripture is truth and it will help us with this. Because the enemy is very afraid of this and so he wants to limit the people of God. He wants to limit the plan of God. Y'all with me this morning? He wants to limit you. He wants to get you messed up about the Holy Spirit so that he doesn't fill your life and you could have all that he wants for you. And so he's, he's uh, running a big campaign on that and strategy to do that. But I want to assure you of something this morning. I want, I want you to just eyeball me here just for a moment here. Any discomfort that you may have, any discomfort you may have about the Holy Spirit. Look at me, listen to me. Any discomfort you may have about the Holy Spirit is not because of Scripture. It's because of people. And we love people. And, you know, all of us have mishandled something before in our life. All of us have been weird to some degree in our life. It's true. But any discomfort that we've had concerning the Holy Spirit... It's not because of Scripture. It's because of people. I had people last week after both services at the door tell me, I, I, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Nobody's ever told me about the Spirit. I had other people tell me that as soon as you said Holy Spirit, I just kind of, uh, go into my happy place. <laughs> and what it is, you know, it's all these other, other things that we've experienced, we've been taught, we haven't been taught, so forth. And so I feel my job, and let me give you kind of a word picture. I feel like my assignment for this series is to do this. I, I feel like there's a gate to your life and my life. And we've got to get the weeds and the rocks and the debris out of the way of this gate so that we can just freely open that gate. So the real Holy Spirit, you don't have to be afraid of him that he could come fully into our lives. Well, what is the weeds, the debris, the rocks? It's tradition. It's things we've been taught, things we weren't taught. It's misrepresentations. It's different things that have happened there. And what we're going to do in the light of Scripture is we're going we're to get those things out of the way. Anybody with me on this? We're going we're gonna to get those things out of the way and get that gate open in our life. But that's going to require something to you. I'm going to do my best. I promise you. I commit to you. You can count on this. I'm going to do my absolute best 
to do this. I'm praying, I'm seeking God, I'm searching scripture on things I've known for decades, but I want to go back and make sure, is that, is that what your word is saying? And going back through and, and looking and listening and, and getting hold of that. And I know that God will do his part. Always he will do his part. But you've got a part to do. And your part is to pay attention to this and to gather this and to draw this. But also it's this, it's a, it's a willingness to be teachable. It's, it's a willingness to adjust. That maybe, well, I was taught this growing up, or the tradition was, or all I've ever come from, or my background, or what I saw one time, or whatever it would be. If that comes in conflict with the Word of God, then we have to go with the Word of God. And that's, that's, that's your part. You've got to be willing to be teachable, to go with the higher truth, to go with the truth of Scripture. And we're going to be very careful to rightly divide Scripture so that we can, we can come to a full, pure knowledge of the Holy Spirit in the light of Scripture, not in the light of our traditions, not in the light of, of, of you know, experiences or how you were brought up or whatever. It's just a fresh start, a fresh look again in the light of God's truth and God's Word. If you're with me, give me a good amen here this morning. Now, what, what we want to do ultimately is get to a place of where we're enlightened to a point and we're also open where we can invite what I call the full work of the Spirit. And there's basically four things with this that the Spirit produces in our life. This is not new to you, but I want us to look at this real quick, is that you would be Spirit-born. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be what? He didn't say you should be. He said you must be. You must be born again, and it's, Titus tells us in other places too that it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that regenerates our spirit, that we come alive. So we're born anew. The Spirit does that work. That's when we get saved. That's when we get born again. Y'all with me? Bob your head, do something. Bob your head with a little attitude. All right, good, that's good. And then secondly, Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, 8, that you're to be filled. Jesus, in the end of, of Luke and in the beginning of Acts, he said, you know, don't go do anything till you, till you get the Holy Spirit in your life. And so this is an imperative. This is a command. So is this. You must be born again, be filled, an imperative command, be filled with the Spirit. And we'll be talking about as we go along, I do believe the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life when you're born again. We'll look at that this morning. But then there's fillings that happen in your life. One, at several places, it's even called a baptism of the Spirit, that, that that would come into your life. And these are vital that we get these going in our lives. Are you with me? And just as this is imperative and that's imperative, uh, the enemy in his strategy wants to stop you from this one first. And then if you get past that one, then he wants to stop you from this one. And then if you get past there, he really goes to work because here's... Here's the crux of the matter for life on earth, and that is that we would be spirit-led. Children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And I'm going to tell you something. I know plenty of people, you do too, that they're spirit-born and spirit-filled, and they're nasty and they're prideful. I don't like being around. They're all religious or this or that. And, 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 you know, we don't hate anybody, but it's like, come on. And I'll tell you what the difference is. And we're going to talk about some, some other things later in the series about Azusa Street, which uh, at the beginning of the last century is great outpouring, but there was huge problems, 
huge problems like you would not believe. And they were spirit-born and spirit-filled, and they went goofy. And it's because they weren't spirit-led. And so we've got to be led of the spirit, and this is huge. And then all, ultimately, this all leads to that we would all be spirit that would be spirit formed. And that's really that the life of God would be in us. Not that I'm trying to be religious and I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do good, but know that it actually is formed in us. And Paul said in Galatians 4:19, he said, I'm laboring like a lady in labor to give birth. I'm going to stay in this pain and this effort until Christ be formed in you, until his life is seen in you. And that's a work of the spirit as well. And all this flows together in the enemy of your soul with just like, you know, don't look at that. Don't look at that. Don't look at that and keep you away from it. But we're going to put a lot of light on this and uh, get to the point where we just invite this. Get the junk out in front of your gate so we can everybody do that with me so we can get that thing open. If your visitors with us, we do lots of sound effects. Okay. All right. Well, the Holy Spirit is God, and he is helper, and he is friend. And notice I said he. He is a he. Indicating he is a person. And he is not a she. Helen Reddy was a little mixed up. She lost her Bible for a while, and she didn't didn't know if you remember that. But um, he, the Holy Spirit, is not an it. He's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not a presence. There is a force. There is a feeling. There is a presence. But he's not this something. He's not this mystical something. He's not spooky. He's not Casper the ghost. Actually, you will always hear me say Holy Spirit. I rarely will ever, unless I'm just reading King James or something, say ghost. Because that really doesn't fit the connotation. That that gives us wrong ideas about Ghost That scares some people away. And then some people, when they say Holy Ghost, they can't just say it in regular English. They have to, Holy Ghost. <laughs> and so, sometimes I look at people and go, why do you, why do, you do that? But anyway, we just, you, it's, this is just about being real and God being real in our lives. So I will, I will usually refer to Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the Godhead. Trinity, by definition, is God eternally existing as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and there is one God. And there's some people that are in, in movements that are even what we would call, and I, I mentioned this to you last week, binatarian. Binatarian, by meaning two. We are Trinitarian, meaning three. And there are some that are what is called functional binatarian or practical binatarian. That if you ask them and listen to their songs, they'll talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But really in the functional living out of their life is just Father and Son. Father and Son. And we are, and please know this, and Scripture is Trinitarian. That there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And to reduce the Trinity, get this, to reduce the triunity of the Godhead to anything less than the Trinity is to obscure Scripture. It contradicts Scripture. It's inconsistent with Scripture, and Scripture won't work right. Amen. And so let me just give you a few verses on this. In John chapter 14, verse 26, and, I, and I, I'm going to hold up fingers here so you can kind of follow the Trinity, okay? Trinity means what? 
3. So, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus was, was talking. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And remember, Jesus is saying here, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what I told you. He's going to remind you of that. And then in other places, Jesus said, and I only say what I hear my father saying. So it's all involved there. So we see Trinity there. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In 1 John 5, 7, it says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father and the Word. John 1 establishes this fact that Jesus was the Word, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And the Holy Spirit, again, if you reduce the triunity, the trinity of God, if you reduce that, that just does not work if you're going to have power and help in your life. You can get real religious and you can know a lot of things, but you know what? I need power. I need help in my life. Is there anybody else here that needs some help in their life? Come on, anybody need some help in their life? And, and we need the helper in, in our life. Not just theory and concept, because let me tell you something. Let me tell you where the Father is. He's on the throne in heaven. And seated at the right hand of the Father, that's where Jesus is. Well, I'm down here, people. You're down here. And we got Father and Son, and what are they doing? They're observing and directing from thrones in heaven. But the Holy Spirit is here in the earth. And the Holy Spirit is with us. And if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in us. And we want him in us to the fullness. And then on occasion, he's not just with us and he's not just in us. There are times of need. There are times of emergency. There are times of service. There are times of ministry that the Holy Spirit will come on you to do what you do. And I don't care if you're a sheriff's deputy or a surgeon or a mom or whatever you would be. There are times that you need the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to put power on you, to help you. Some of you have been in some situations you just thought was adrenaline. You've acted wise in a, in a moment of crisis and you thought, pretty cool under fire. No, you're not. You're organized dust. Pastor had on, taught on Wednesday night, you're God's workmanship, your poem. He made you, and he'll empower you, and he'll help you. Amen? Wow, we're never going to get this series done. <laughs> once you are a believer, once you are spirit-born, the Bible teaches us that you, you then become a temple. And I want you to think about this, because this is crucial. You become a temple. It means a dwelling. It means a sacred place. Now, you may not even feel like this this morning, and this may be a brand new idea for you, but would you just repeat after me this morning? If, if you're a believer this morning, I just want you to say, I'm, I'm a temple. Okay, we're going to take it a little bit further. I'm a dwelling place. All right, you ready for this one? I'm a sacred place. For the Holy Spirit of God. That's pretty incredible. Look, look at scripture here. In 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says. Do you not know. That you. Say that's me. You are the temple of God. And that the spirit of God. Dwells in you. And then in 1 Corinthians 
Paul goes on and he says again, or do you not know that your body, okay, now here we go. Everybody say, my body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You're not your own. This is incredible. And you've got to realize this. Your life will change if you'll realize this, if you'll know this. I'm not my own. My body, me, I'm a temple. I'm a dwelling place. I'm a sacred place. And you know what? You probably have had sorry attitudes this week. And some of you went places you had no business going to. And involved in things that you know. And even regret already. But I want to tell you something. You are still the temple. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body even is the temple a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And he's with you all the time. I, I've been in ministry, um, full-time ministry, uh, since last century. Um, over, over 30 years. And my wife and I, we've always watched people. We've always made kind of a study of people. We can be at Disney World or airport or church or whatever, and we just watch people. And we love people. We love people. We hurt for people. We make it our business to catch ourselves even if we judge people. I say, no, no, because all behaviors need motivated. Hurt people hurt people. And we love and we watch. So none of this is judgmental. This is just observation here. Get this. The, the obvious difference between a believer and a non-believer, a Christian and a non-Christian, is a revelation of God and his love. The only difference between you, if you're a Christian here today, and somebody who's not one yet, is you got a revelation of God and his love. It wasn't that you, you know, was just kind of wired from birth to be extra holy. Shut up. (laughs) But for the grace of God that somehow that light got through, God and his love. Now, let me take it a little bit further. I watch Christians all the time, and I see some Christians that have victory in their life, and I see other Christians that have defeat in their life. And the obvious difference to me, you ready for this? The obvious difference for me, and you'll say, well, they should go to church every week like I do. No, 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 no. That's a given. They should be at church. They should read the Bible every day. That's a given. That's a given. But I'm going to tell you the real obvious difference to me to a person, not that they're perfect, but they've got some victory in their life. They've got some endurance in their life. They've got some peace. They've got some traction in their life as opposed to others that are are just defeated and blown around. The obvious difference to me, the most obvious one is this. This one has a revelation of the spirit within. I'm never alone. I'm never without help. God's helping. God's working. God's leading. God's teaching. God's reminding me. And that awareness makes, listen, look look at me, that makes all the difference in the world. And so we've got to get that revelation down on the inside of us. And I'm helping in every way that I can. Paul, talking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he said, you guys are a mess and you keep making messes. And this is the most corrective place in Scripture. And they're messed up about marriage and gross sexual sin. And they've got newfound liberty 
and they don't know the bounds of their liberty. They're like a dog that's off the leash for the first time. And we're, but we're free. And, they're just, doing, and they, they're just all over the map. They're just all over the place. And Paul said, and I just read you two of the verses here. Paul said, okay, I came in. I'm watching. I see what's going on. And he goes, listen to me. I think I know what the problem is here. I think the problem is this. You, you just don't know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. You don't know that he lives in you and that he's with you. And it's, it's an issue of two things here. Y'all are quiet, but I can tell you're listening. But are, are you really? Are you really? You're not just like, you know, patronizing the pastor? Because this is for you, okay? Two things are at stake. He said, I, I see the problem. The problem here is that you don't know that the Holy Spirit's in you. He said, your behavior shows, your life shows that you're missing out on two things here. And the first one is this, honor. Honor. That if you would just honor the fact, I, I believe this, if you would just honor the fact the Holy Spirit is in me, there's some places you won't go. Amen. There's some things you won't do. There's some folks that you're going to be careful how they would influence you or if you even hang out with them because evil companions corrupt good character. Now, we're to be salt and we're to be light, but I'm telling you what, if they're, if they're leading you around, you're going to have to create a little bit of dif- distance there. And here's the thing. You're not going to go some places. You're not going to do some things. You're not going to participate in some things if you will honor the fact the Holy Spirit is in you. And I want you to know this. He's in you. Come on. He's in you. And he's not going to leave you. So if you're wanting to, like, you know, go do whatever, you can't, you can't do this. Pull up, put in gear. All right, Holy Spirit, you stay in the truck. I'll be back in a little bit, hopefully. It doesn't work that way. He says, you're going, I'm going. And if you're going places you shouldn't go, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will start to speak up a little more and make you miserable. That you'll find yourself being the fool and he'll go, why are you being such a fool? I don't know. Go get yourself back in the truck and go home, all right? That's a whole nother message, but that was for somebody this morning. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> if you get what I'm saying, say yeehaw. yeehaw. All right, good deal. That'll help you too. But he said, the problem is you don't know that the Holy Spirit's in you. You're not honoring him in you. You're not living like a vessel. And the second thing is you're having all these problems because you don't know the Holy Spirit's in you, and he would help you. Because I'm promising you, and as hard as you would try to behave and to do good and do all those things, you're still going to need some help. And the fact that he is with me and he will help me. He's here with you and he'll help you. How does he help us? And we'll get more into this in the weeks to come. There's four things here. Power, love, fruit, gifts. Power, love, fruit, gifts. And we'll work some of those things out over the next few weeks. What does that look like in your life? What does that look like for church and so forth? Speaking of that, you have every week 168 hours. Nobody has more. Nobody has less. Now, some of you all miss some of your hours. But there's 168 hours. The most committed among you, probably two, three hours a week at church. It's amazing the number of people and the common misconception that the Holy Spirit lives at church. Now, this is God's house, and I believe that his presence abides here. I've cut through this room when it's totally dark before to go to a meeting the other end of the building to go check on something or whatever. I've been here in this building all by myself before, come back to get something, and then just come down into this room. 
And I'm telling you what, I, I sense his presence. This is a house of God, but you're the temple of God. He dwells with you. He lives with you. It's your sacred, your sacred place. And you need to know this. Because if you only think that three hours a week he's here, then when you leave, you're like, Bye, Holy Spirit. Pray for me. See you Wednesday. No. He's with you. I said he's with you. And so what about those 165 other hours of the week? He's with you. He's with you. And when you come here, and this is incredible. I'm telling you, the roof will raise 25 feet. If you'll get revelation of this. And you go live truly a life. Life in the spirit. And then when we all come together with that, the celebration of that will be amazing. That will be amazing. Now, real quick, and I've got to hurry. Y'all are pulling so good, I'm talking too much. But we got nowhere to go, and so I went ahead and uh, told the ushers to order pizza. So we're just going to stay <laughs> at pizza. Can I get an amen? All right, uh, see ya. If you're a visitor with us, uh, sorry. Um, two ways, real quick, that he helps us. Number one, he comforts us. He comforts us. Jesus introduced him as the helper. That word also in the Greek means comforter. And what does a comforter do? A comforter comforts. That's to bring ease and relief and reassurance. Because we have pain. We have difficulty. We have anxiety. We have grief. We have setbacks. We have surprises. We have rejection. We have betrayal. We have failure. We have adversity in life. Did I get any on your list? Right, right there. And what we need is revenge we need medication? No, we need comfort. We need comfort, and he is the comforter. And some of you today are facing stuff. There's some of you, you're fighting to pay attention in here because of the grief, the betrayal, the pain, the adversity that you're dealing with right now. And you need to know that you're going through it. He's going through it with you. I said he's going through it with you. He's with you. And you need to tap into that and realize he's with me. He's with me. The greatest thing you could ever know out of the Bible is that you're never alone and you're never without help. And that happens by the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so some of you are going through some stuff now and some of you are like, oh, thank God I'm not. It's one of the reasons I like riding along with the sheriff's office because I see other people in trouble and I realize I'm not in trouble. You had to have gone to school with me, okay, to understand that. I'm joking. But the reality is some of you not, I'm not going through any of that today, but you know what? You have before. Or the reality is you're probably facing something. And I'm not a doom and gloomer, but as long as we're on this turf, you know, there's going to be challenge. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be some things that didn't go quite the way that you drew them out. And thank God we have a comforter. I said, thank God we have a comforter. And he holds you and he carries you and he comes alongside to help and he brings comfort. And, and I want you to get this. I want you to get this. It's his presence that brings the comfort. And think who is present. This, this is what will help you. His presence brings the comfort. Who is this that's present in you? He's the master craftsman at creation. And he's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I think if I have the mas master craftsman of creation, the spirit of wisdom of God, and the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me I think I can make it through Monday 
I think I can make it through this thing because he comforts. He comforts. And then secondly, he guides us. Everybody say, he guides me. That means he prompts us. He counsels us. He guides us. It has to do with our decisions in life, our directions in life. Sometimes you don't know what to do. I'll be honest with you. There's so many things that come. I don't, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to handle this. You know what? But there's somebody resident on board with you that knows how to do this. And he will guide you. And we've got to do a better job of listening and waiting on him and asking him, show me what to do. And sometimes we're actively seeking for his guidance, his, for him to guide us and to lead us and to show us. And then other times I found this out too. I wasn't actively seeking and I found out later he was guiding me. He was guiding. It's almost like an unconscious leading. It's like, wow, that sure makes me look smart. But I'll tell you what, thank you, Lord, that he ordered your steps and he helped you with that. It's, it's better. He is better than GPS. I was in Dallas for a few days this week. I took my son, Lee. It was at a, a pastor's conference out at Gateway Church. Wonderful conference. Great church. I took Lee with me. Um, and I just say this kind of in passing, but it means a lot to me. Um, I'm grooming him more and more for, for ministry and the call that's on his life. And so he went with me, and we had a rich time. And we, um, How many of you have been to Dallas? How many of you have driven in Dallas? I've been going to Dallas and driving in Dallas for 20 years or so, and I think what the main thing they do in Dallas is build roads <laughs> and interchanges and things. So in our rental car, we got a GPS, and we're going along, and, and Lee is talking. I said, no, 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 be quiet, because we've got to listen to this voice. <laughs> so it's this lady telling us stuff. Hold that. And so she tells, in point two miles, turn right on two East 114. I got it. I got it. And I see everything. Got it. Yeah. Turn signal. Do it. Get up on there. She goes, recalculating. <laughs> Calculate you. So I said, pull her cord, wrap her up, put her in the glove box. Find it ourselves. Find a gas station, ask somebody, they'll tell us. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, write this down, is better than GPS. Because he's up to date on the changes. He's up to date on these things. But there are times you need to be quiet and make everybody else around you be quiet. So that you don't miss what he would say, but I'm promising you, he's a sure guide and he is a faithful, he is faithful to lead us and to show us the way. He, the scripture says he will guide you into all truth. Listen, if he would guide you into all truth, just think about this. If he would guide me into all truth, would he not also guide me out of all error? Let me read you a couple verses and I'm going to wrap this up this morning. In uh, Romans eight fourteen, it says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the Sons of God, the children of God. Here's, here's the takeaway. The children of God, any of those here? The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Say it. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. So whether or not you're being led, you are being led. Whether or not you're allowing the leading, he's trying to lead you. And the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go. 
whether to the right or to the left. And I don't believe that that is actually your ears. There's very few people that I've met, very few that I believe honestly heard God with these ears, an audible voice. And half of them I'm concerned about. But anyway, because <laughs> they've heard other stuff too. But um, he speaks spirit to spirit. It's on the inside. To me at times it's like a, a holy prompting. It's like an electric thought. It's something that's there. Sometimes I'll say, Lord, if that's you, bring that back again at the right time. And boom, there, there it will be again. And he will lead you. He will guide you in that way. He's with you to guide you. He's with you to counsel you. And wherever you may be, and if it has to do with traffic, if it has to do with relationships, if, whatever it has to do. Listen, don't make dumb decisions based on the world's ideas. You have talked to people, I'm going to marry her because she's so pretty. And the Holy Spirit saying, don't do this. Don't do this. It may just be good lighting or, or bad lighting. And I'm telling you, he'll help you all over the place. He'll help you all over the place because he's trying to guide you into all truth. Let me read you a passage as we prepare to close today. We're not done with this series. Thank you for your attention. You all have pulled today. And because of that, we've gotten a good meal out of this. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 in the Message Bible says this. And this, this is my benediction to you this morning. Then we're going to do a few things. It says, the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ and the extravagant love of God. And the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And that's what I want for you is the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God. And get this part. And the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Your guidance, your help, your strength, the things that you need. They're going to flow out of not just church attendance. They're going to flow out of intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. So I say it again. May the amazing grace of our Master Jesus Christ and the extravagant love of God the Father and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Do you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord Jesus.